Hello, hello, am I on? Yeah. All right, good. Um, so glad that you're uh, with us together uh, in the name of Jesus. Uh, some of you are seeking him. Some of you have found him or walking with him. Um, but all of us have some point at which we need to grow, right? Some area that we know that we need God's help uh, to strengthen us. And so that's what we're here about uh, today again. Uh, before I preach, though, we have a special video announcement um, from Pastor Sammy and his sidekick, Josh, uh, about what's going on in Afghanistan and Haiti and your opportunity maybe to get involved somehow through um, uh, what we're doing here at Pleasant Valley. So let's listen uh, up to, to these guys, and then I'll be back up in a minute. Hey, PV, Josh and Sammy here. We work together in global missions and local outreach, and there is a couple of things happening in the world right now that we wanna to bring to your attention. The nation of Haiti got hit by a 7.2 magnitude earthquake last Saturday, and most of their major cities are devastated, upwards of, of 2,000 people dead, 6,000 people injured. Um, it's a tragic situation, but we believe the Lord is in the midst of it and he's there with them. We are making connections with our denomination with um, crisis response and um, in ways that we can get involved and we're definitely going to do that um, but for now so stay tuned but for now let's let's definitely pray let's pray for those affected let's pray that the Lord will bring comfort and help to those in need right now as soon as possible and also let's pray for opportunities for the gospel to open and for people to come to Christ who is their only hope and please be praying for the people of Afghanistan. Be praying for the people that are desperately trying to leave the country. Be praying for our brothers and sisters in Christ who are over there right now, actively being targeted by the Taliban. Right now, there's a big possibility that there'll be refugees coming into our area. And so we've reached out to see what kind of connections we can make. And so please be praying that doors may be open so that we can be the hands and feet of Jesus to these people. Amen. We are the church. Let's pray. Let's pray, PV. Let's pray. Father, we are your body. Um, we're part of your body. Uh, I praise you, Father, that what you promised through Jesus has come true, that, the, that, that you would build your church and that the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And so we have great hope, Lord, not in ourselves, but in the power of God and in the power of the gospel. Lord, I pray that uh, you would be specifically uh, protecting, comforting, giving strength uh, to those men and women and children uh, that are in harm's way in Haiti as well as in Afghanistan. I pray, Father, that you would, uh, by your Holy Spirit, just tap any one of us uh, on the shoulder and say, look, this is how I want you to get involved. So, Father, I pray that we would be individuals in this church family that would bring this to you, listen to you, and just follow through in faith and obedience, whatever you want us to do to get involved. Uh, thank you, Father, for uh, this morning. Thank you for your word. Uh, thank you that it is incredibly powerful. Uh, thank you, Father, that you have proven that over and over and over again. And um, we just need uh, these solid places to stand, God. So would you um, give each one of us a teachable uh, heart this morning, Lord, that we would be uh, willing uh, to be um, rearranged, changed, 
upset and put right side up um, by the power of your word, the power of your gospel. So come and have your way in each one of us, Lord. In the name of Jesus, amen. Hey, um, if you're a college student, thank you so much for being here this morning. Maybe you're watching online. Maybe you're checking out churches in our area to be part of. Um, we have a, um, a ministry for college students called H2O, and they meet every Monday night at 7 o'clock. So make sure that maybe you know a college student or maybe you're a college student that's looking for some fellowship. Uh, please do come and check out H2O tomorrow night right here in this room, 7 o'clock. Deal? Oh, I'm looking for some participation. I will say that whole thing all over again. Uh, all right. Oh, man, God's word is rich. This morning, I, I'm going to do something that feels impossible for me, but I want to convince you of something uh, from the scriptures that I think has the potential of transforming your life moment by moment. And I know that's a huge statement, right? But God's word is so powerful. Uh, and I believe that this, these few verses here in Luke chapter 18 can have the effect on our lives to really help us think more clearly about what Jesus meant uh, what the scriptures say when he calls his followers to walk by faith, not by sight. You're right. You've memorized that since in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, that God calls his followers to walk by faith, not by sight. That sounds really easy coming off of our lips, doesn't it? Um, have you ever tried to fully, every day of your life, walk by faith and not by sight? I mean, sight is pretty powerful. Would you agree? Right? Um, I believe that what God does in his word in this, in this particular passage, hopefully I can help you see that and identify it. But I believe that as a person in this world, um, you see this life in the present with a focus on looking back. If you're not a follower of Jesus, you live this life in the present looking back. I believe that a life of faith in, God, in the God of the Bible, um, you live in the present with a focus on the future. And that makes an incredible, uh, incredible difference. If you're not in Christ, you have a, you, you, your way of living is living in the present with a focus on the past. But that's not the way of, of Christ. And we're going to see that, I think, in this text, that he wants us to be a people that live in the present, but are fixated, as it were, on the future. Right? And so that's really where we're going to go in this particular text. Um, so this chapter begins uh, by asking the question, what is it that Jesus Christ is looking for on the earth? And um, so typically, if we were in Sunday school right now and you would answer the question, everybody would say Jesus, right? And that's not the answer because actually Jesus knows right where he's at. And so if we were to say, Jesus, what are you looking for on earth? Um, I believe he would say faith. Um, verse 8 in the chapter that we're working on right now, Luke chapter 18, uh, says that Jesus is asking the question, will I find faith on the earth? 
That's really what he's looking for. He's not looking for an ability to live in the present with a focus on the past. He's looking for the person that has the ability to live in the present with a focus on the future. You see, that's why the scriptures over and over say things like, faith is the assurance of things hoped for. Isn't that interesting? The assurance of things not seen. It's interesting. Um, when uh, Peter begins to describe for his disciples and all those churches that he was part of building, um, in his first letter in verse 3, he says, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, who has caused us to be born again into a living hope. Um, if there is an identifiable characteristic for a believer, one of those identi clear identifiable characteristics ought to be hope and hopefulness and a positivity about even things that are going on, on horrifically around us. There is a present hope because you and I have been born again into a living hope, okay? And that changes the game. And so that, I believe this text will help us um, really kind of find and learn a little bit more um, about that. I believe the scriptures teach this. Faith is the vehicle, but love is always the, definite, uh, always the destination. Faith is the vehicle. Because when Jesus is shoved into a corner and says, what's the most important thing on the planet? He, he, he doesn't hesitate. He quotes Old Testament passages to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and might, and to love one another as you love yourself. But you're going to need a faith that is living in the presence, present that has this ability to focus on the future if you're truly going to be able to love one another the way that Christ loved you. You cannot love one another based on the past. And aren't you glad? Aren't you glad that every moment of every day we have a God who is a God of hope and the God of encouragement? Romans chapter 15 verse 13 says that. He is the God of all hope and the God of all joy and the God of encouragement. He does not want you to live in your past. It doesn't mean that we don't, we don't pay attention to those things, learn lessons from those things, ask God for healing from those things that were really rough in our past. Don't, don't hear me say, don't, don't, you know, if you've, been, if you've been abused, if you've been misused, or maybe you've abused, <laughs> you don't have to live in your past if Christ is on board in your life. You can live in the present with a focus on the future. Even if you're in prison, you can live in the present with a focus on the future. It doesn't matter where you're at. That's what I love about God and the ministry of the Holy Spirit. It doesn't matter where we're at. He's inviting a human soul to live in the present with a focus on the future. That's why, for instance, in Philippians chapter... Am I preaching right now, really? This is not where I was wanting to go yet. But in Philippians chapter 3, it says that he presses on. Paul says, I press on towards a high call of God in Christ Jesus. Do you see that? He presses forward. And, and, as, and if, you, if, you, if you're thinking, well, is that what that means? Well, the verse right before that, he says, I for, forgetting everything that lies behind, I press on towards a high call of God in Christ Jesus. If you're a believer, you, you and I have to live on the fuel of hope. Not on the fuel of the past. The past, nobody can change the past. But today you can say, I'm going I'm to mark this day. And from this day forward, God, would you build my faith strong in you? Would you help me to be present? Yes. 
but have focus not in the past, but on the future. Are you in with me on that? This will, this will change everything about every moment, every hour I need him. This is what you need from him. A faith that focuses on his future grace. And by future grace, I mean every minute that passes, there's more grace for you. I'm not talking about the grace, all the grace that we're going to see when Jesus comes back. And that's a lot of grace. But there's grace for you every moment of every day and every second of every day. There's grace for you and me. And I live by Grace through faith. See, faith is the vehicle, y'all. But love is always the destination. And so, wow, we need to probably get into the text at some point. <laughs> but before we do that, <laughs> uh, I do want to see, I want to get context because I think what happens in right before the passage that Dora is reading, I want to look at, and she started reading Luke chapter 18, verse 31. We're going to have on the screen Luke chapter 18, beginning at verse 28, because it's an interesting thing to compare and contrast what happens in this context. And Peter said, now Peter said this after Jesus had this conversation with the rich ruler. And the rich ruler hung his head when Jesus says, hey, look, give everything away that you own and follow me. The rich young ruler turned his back on Jesus and walked away. And the apostles are like, oh my goodness, I would have said that guy's pretty good because he's like batting 500 out of the, out of the Ten Commandments, man. You know, he wasn't an adulterer. He, you, know, you know the list? He didn't steal from anybody, he didn't covet, you know, all those, those things but you still lacked one thing. And what Jesus basically said in that, in that passage is, you, 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 you've missed the first five. Put God first. No other name above his name, right? That means you gotta give up your money because money has your heart. And the only thing that you need to have your heart is God. And nothing wrong with having money. But if it has you, there's something wrong with that. Okay? And so in the context, Peter and the rest of the guys are like, they're frozen. And do you see what they do? So Peter, says, Peter speaks because Peter is the one that always speaks. And Peter said, verse 28, see, we have left. This is living in the present and looking which way? No, that's not. This is looking at, we, we've left these things. Peter's like, look at all we've given up for you, Jesus. You ever been there? Done that? Like, come on, God, deliver. Look at all I've done for you, right? And that pity party doesn't get as very far. Would you agree? You know, the Lord says, uh, yeah, okay, I, I do, you know. Thank you. <laughs> um, I made you and I bought you back with my blood. Let's move forward. Okay, so it's, it, we need to compare and contrast these statements, okay? So we have left our homes and followed you, and, and, and Jesus said to him, truly, I, I say to you, there, there is no one who has left house or wife or brothers or parents or children for the sake of the kingdom of God who will not receive many times more in this time, present, and in the age to come. Future! Jesus is like getting up in, in Peter's grill and saying, hey, look, if you live in the present look and keep on looking back, you can't follow me. 
See, that's what the rich young ruler, that's what the rich ruler did. Oh, I got too much. I've accumulated too much. Ah. He couldn't look forward because he was focused on what he had. This is, these are hard sayings, and, and, and Peter is representing you and me in this, like, like oh boy, you're, you're like asking for everything, Jesus? Yeah. He says, absolutely. And, and the past needs to be in the past if you're going to follow me because we're, going, we're moving forward. Does, does this world need someone to trust God moving forward? Huh? Or do we need people to, ooh, I almost said piss and moan. Or do we need people just to moan about how stinking bad it's been and it is? Do we need that? We need hope in this world, y'all. And the church of Jesus Christ is to be the people that live in the present with a focus on and a fixation on the future. Come on. This is what Christianity is about or it's about nothing. Yeah, but Joe, let me just say one word to you, Joe. Masks. Oh, Jesus is shaking now. Right? Vaccination, how about that word? How about Republican? Can we say that word? Democrat? Right? That stuff is, that stuff is always in the past. That's not looking forward. That's not the eyes of faith. That's not the heart of Jesus. His heart is about hope. Let's get on with bringing the gospel in great power through hopeful lives, who, through hopeful eyes. A countenance that says, you know what? Better things are coming because God is in control even in Afghanistan and Haiti this morning. God is in control. And this is not the worst time in history. Don't you wish we could bring somebody back from 1939 from Germany? Or from Poland in 1942? You could argue, couldn't you? Okay, let's get into the text now. We're about ready to start verse 31. And everybody says, oh, there is a God. He's like in the text after, I don't know how many minutes, never mind. So remember the phrase, and Peter said, see, we left. And now verse 31 says this, and taking the 12, he said to them, see, we are going. Does that do anything for you after kind of just a little bit of talk about the difference between a life that's lived by sight versus a life lived by, by faith? This is what Jesus is really laying before his apostles, before these 12 people. And, and you see, he, he says he took the 12. He is having a time out with the boys in a huddle. And he says, come on. See, we are going to Jerusalem. 
awesome. I think they're still listening. I think, okay, all right, Jerusalem. You, you see what the next, and everything that is written about the Son of Man by the prophets will be accomplished. I think they're still with him. Awesome. It's going to be, and this is, by the, word, the, by the way, the word accomplish here is the same word Jesus said on the cross. It is accomplished. Same word. It is finished. Period. Done. It is finished. He's going to go to Jerusalem. Hey, we are going to Jerusalem. And everything that was, has been written, all those prophecies about Jesus Christ are going to be accomplished. I, I think, my, my sense when I read and I've studied this passage, I think at this moment, the disciples stop listening because of what Jesus says next. For he will be delivered over to the Gentiles. <laughs> I thought everything was going to be accomplished. <laughs> this is backwards. No, Jesus says this is forwards. This is going to put Israel in a worse position. Israel is already in a horrific position. I need to move forward and accomplish something. And here's what's going to happen. The Gentiles are going to take me and they're going to abuse me. I think they stopped listening because they had no context. I think their faith checked out. Does your faith ever check out? When you read something in Scripture, you're like, ain't no way. I'm doing that thing, Right? Does it ever? That's, what, that's what's happening to the apostles here, and we'll see it in the, in the text. But at some point in time, they flat out, they're in the huddle, Jesus has got the whiteboard out, and he's, he's writing the play, writing everything. You know, and they're looking. I think they stopped. So, for he will be delivered over to the Gentiles and will be mocked and shamefully treated and spit upon. And after flogging him, they will kill. Do you think they're still listening? They're like, ah. Have you ever been on a team where the coach is just talking and, and you, you have no idea what he just said or what she just said? Have you? Have you ever been a coach <laughs> and been in that huddle? It's the fourth quarter and, and we need to work together, please. And here's what we need to do. And everybody is like, how does she get her hair to do that while she plays basketball? I've coached ninth grade girls in basketball. Why does he, sorry, why does he not have any hair on his legs? I actually heard that in a huddle that I'm coaching. I'm not showing you right now this truth. And why are his shins so shiny? Literally. <laughs> and I'm talking to them about a play. And I hear these things. And it's funny, right? But they hate to lose the game. <laughs> um, they don't like the outcome but they don't want to play the game the way it's supposed to be played. <laughs> How about for you and your Christianity? I like the idea of being loved like crazy by God and him forgiving me and having mercy on me. I love it like crazy that I'm going to go to heaven. But man, all this in-between stuff, I just kind of go, <laughs> I want to think about 
shiny legs. <laughs> so I, and, and so when I got home, my daughter was on this team. So when I got home, I said, Leah, did they say what I thought they said? <laughs> oh, they say it at every practice, Joe, or dad. They say, does your dad shave, does your dad shave his legs? I'm like, this is basketball, all right? I mean, this is, this is life. And does, uh, l- let me read what, what, what happens next. Verse 34, but they understood none of these things, <laughs> right? You've been there and done that. You've done your best to communicate with your spouse or with your significant other or with your child or they've tried to communicate with you and you're blank as an adult or a parent and, you know, you're acting like you're listening, but you're not. And this is what's going on here. It says they didn't hear a dang thing. It's frustrating, would you say? Would you agree? Um... Have you ever done that to Jesus? No. I'm an evangelical Christian. <laughs> that is impossible to do. Right? Oh my goodness, we do this. I do this. These things, none of them they understood. The sayings were hidden from them. I, I don't know which, which it is. I think it's both. I think the Lord just finally said, I got another idea, I think is what he said. And that's the next text. Well, it's important to remember what went on in the apostle's mind and what Peter said. So I'm going to re- we're going to get to the next passage, I promise. I just want us to remember where we're at here. See, we left is way different than see, we are going. Would you agree? And and this is the difference between walking by sight versus walking by faith. Jesus is going someplace and he's inviting you to go with him to that place. And he's so individual and intimate with every one of us. He has a plan, an appointment for every one of us. You did not choose him, but he chose you and appointed you to go and bear fruit that lasts. And so there's an appointment if you're a follower of Jesus Christ. There, there are things that Jesus Christ has for you to do, good works that he has for you to accomplish. But if you do not listen to him, if you have a fixation on living in the present but always looking in the past, you cannot, by definition, be a person of faith in Jesus Christ. You have, if that is you, you have to this morning say, Lord, help me. Because I just, I just flat out live in the past. And it is having so much impact on my present every moment of every day. God, would you give me the ability to live in the present, but to fixate and to focus on the future? That's what they weren't doing. That's what these apostles weren't doing. Seeing is way different than believing. In the world, what we would say is what? Seeing is believing, right? It's the exact opposite in Christ. Believing is seeing. And that's why this Christianity is so hard. It's like learning another language. 
Like you're all day long, your eyes are registering certain facts and figures and thoughts, and you see things, and all day long, you're like, oh my goodness, right? But Christ is like, yeah, that's, that's, that's the way it is, but that's not the way it's going to be. Um, we're on the way. Um, and so I, I'm campaigning for you to be a person that lives in the present with a focus on the future as God has laid it out. Seeing is way different than believing. Seeing is way more natural. Believing is way more powerful. Okay, let's go to verse 35. I I think what, what follows here is both humorous and sad all at the same time. As Jesus drew near to Jericho, so remember they're on their way up. Now they're up the road, going up the road towards Jericho and then on on into Jerusalem, okay? In terms of the geography. And as he drew near Jericho, (laughs) I just think this is so incredible what happens here. A blind man. Remember what Jesus is talking about? Seeing? What, it, what it's like to see like he sees. And as they drew near Jericho, a blind man was sitting by the roadside begging. So this is not only a blind man, this is a beggar, beggar as well. Okay? Verses 36 and 37 says, And hearing a crowd going by, he inquired what this meant. They told him, so the crowd, the people in the front of the crowd where this man is sitting, Jesus of Nazareth is passing by. What do you care? You're blind, we can see, just sit there. Verse 38 and 39 are powerful to me. And he cried out. He cried out with a statement of living in the present with a focus on the future. Do you see it? Oh, son of God, have mercy on me. Oh, son of David, have mercy on me. Oh, Christ, have mercy on me. Oh, Messiah, have mercy on me. Oh, one who is going to make everything right, have mercy on me. I'm not looking back. I'm looking forward because I believe in you. I know who you are and I know what you're doing, Jesus. Who saw? The blind man saw who Jesus was when Jesus had to take a time out for the 12 that had followed him every day for three and a half years did not have a clue. Wow. That, that kind of hurts, doesn't it? <laughs> Yeah, it, it, it's like, man. So he cried out, Jesus, son of David, have mercy on him. And those who were in front of him rebuked him. Hey, look, you camel turd. It's, it's in the Greek. You just have to look it up. <laughs> Telling him to be silent. But he cried out all the more, son of David, have mercy on me. Do you see his resolve not looking on the past, but looking forward? Do you see how powerful that is for your soul? How powerful it is for this person's soul who's begging and blind 
And, and we're not even, to, in my estimation of this text, we're not even to the epitome of the entire text yet. But I mean, it's really growing at this point for me. It's like, oh God, help me see. Help me live in the presence, present with a focus on the future, with your lens, with your eyes. Help me see today in view of where we're going. The blind guy sees and is certain about something no one else is about Jesus. And I think on purpose, Luke, our author, uses a word in this sentence that he uses in verse 4 of the entire book that he writes. He says, I'm writing these things to you so that you might be, and here's the word, certain about these things. And so we're returning now to our author's intent in the book of Luke. He's certain about something that no one else is. He knows Jesus as the son of David, the forever reigning king, the Messiah, the anointed one, the one who changes everything for eternity, for every human being that will put their faith in him. My eyes can't see a thing, but the eyes of my heart see him clearly, the blind guy says. Seeing is way different than believing. Seeing is way more natural. Believing is way, way, way more powerful. Verses 40 and 41 says this, and Jesus stopped. To me, drop the mic right there. If a human being can make Jesus stop, that's the most important thing that will ever happen in their life. And you don't get to see Jesus stop because you have all the right answers in Sunday school or you have a master's degree or a PhD in some theology. Jesus stops when a person decides to put their faith in him in the present, looking to the future according to what he says. This is what causes Jesus to stop. I think on purpose, our author, Luke, is like, this is it. This is a crescendo in my book. Jesus stopped. It's, it, it's not equal to, but it's like when Jesus says, it is finished. Because this phrase, Jesus stopped, if Jesus stopped because he sees faith in you, it is finished for you in terms of your past. All you have now to look forward to is the future. Everything has, what, right? 2 Corinthians 5, 17, all things have become new. The old has passed away. All things have become new in Christ. But this blind man, not anybody else in the crowd, including none of the 12, stopped Jesus. But this blind man did. I'm telling you, if you are a person that is asking God to build your faith strong, you will see Jesus Christ stop for you over and over and over again. But if you're a person who refuses to trust God in the present with an eye on the future, he will pass right on by you. That's kind of strong. Isn't Jesus loves me? He loves you like crazy, but he's not going to play your games. And aren't you glad? 
He says, look, we're going to Jerusalem. We got things to do. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to rise from the dead. It is finished. It's going to happen. And then I want to come and live in you by my Holy Spirit. I want to build your faith so strong so that you can live in the present with a focus on the future because you're a person of hope. Is this making any sense to anybody or should I start over? <coughs> that was a, like a pleasant giggle. <laughs> oh, is he serious? Right. Right. Jesus stopped and commanded him to be brought to him. The people that just treated him like a camel turd <laughs> had to go over and say, Jesus wants to talk to you. Nobody else in the entire crowd stopped Jesus but this one blind beggar. Does that give anybody hope in the room? Anybody ever feel like a blind beggar in your life? I have. Why do you even pay attention to me, God? I am so apt not to trust you. I'm so apt to live in some camel dung in the past. Right? I'm so apt to do that. Anybody else with me on that? That's a crisis. Come on. I got things to show you. I, I have things for you to do. We cannot live back there. You've got to forget what lies behind and, and press forward, press on towards a high call of God in Christ Jesus for which you have been called. God has a call on your life. If you're a follower of Jesus Christ, God has a call on your life. And you're like, I'm not sure what that call is. Man, you need to get down on your knees and you need to listen. Keep on listening. God, what is it that you want from me? And don't miss the obvious. I just want you to love the people around you like I love you. Start there. And that's probably where you're going to end, too. Because <laughs> the vehicle is always faith, but the destination is always love. Nobody else loved this. Nobody else loved this blind beggar. Nobody else except Jesus. Don't you love that about God? And it also kind of makes us feel a little bit embarrassed too, doesn't it? Like, help me see people like you do, God. So verse 42, and Jesus said to him, recover your sight. I think this is so beautiful. Recover your sight if you need to. <laughs> You're seeing better than anybody else in the crowd. Your faith, not your sight, has made you better. Not your past has made you better. Your faith, because you were able to live in the present, you saw something in the future, didn't you? you? You believed who I was and what I said and what I'm going to do. You believed, and that's what changed you. That's what made me say, come to you and say, do you see what Jesus does in this text? Am I getting fired up a little bit right now? I hope so. You see what he does? He comes to this man that nobody else is paying attention to, and he says, I will give you anything you want. Anything. He doesn't ask, do you want me to heal you like he did with a guy at the Pool of Siloam in John chapter 5? He doesn't ask that question. This question has the implication in it like, whatever you ask, you man of faith... 
whatever you ask, I will do for you. And some of you have drug in this room some incredible burden this morning. I know because I have burdens myself. I have to bring them to the Lord just like you do. But some of you have never really, really given your life to Jesus Christ. I mean, earnestly from your gut and saying, I'm no longer going to live. God, would you help me no longer to live by sight, but help me to live by faith. Help me to live in the present with a focus on the future, on your future grace and on those promises that you're coming back and that everything will be taken care of in the end. Your faith made you well. How do we practically build our life of faith in Christ? Faith in Christ must always dictate sight. And that, that's just like easy to say, maybe even easy to hear, but this is really the, the work, is I've got to stop living by sight and begin living by faith in who God is and what his word says. Well, that sounds easy. <laughs> yeah, well, it is simple, but I guarantee you it is not easy. Otherwise, everybody would be doing it. Get to know the object of your faith more and more every day. Mariah, why don't you bring your team on up? That'd be awesome. Thank you. Get to know the object of your faith more and more every day, all day. Breathe it, drink it, eat it, bring it everywhere. Learn to use it more than your physical sight. You get to choose your, the object of your faith. Everyone trusts something. So, so don't hear me say only followers. Of, I'm, I'm right here. I know those people are doing stuff up there just right here. <laughs> How did he see all of us at the same moment? Everyone gets to, to choose what they're going to trust. To trust is not optional. Every human being, by definition, trusts something. And so this morning, Jesus is asking you through this weak vessel, will you put your faith in him alone? Will you trust him? Will you make him the object of your faith? Will you build your life on who he is and what his word says? And some of you are like, man, I did that a long time ago. Okay, let's, let's pick up that mantle and let's move forward. Because there's more ground to take in your own personal sanctification, but also in the ministry and the, the appointment that God has for you to do um, in, in and through your life. So you get to choose the object of your faith. Take in and study and live out God's word as your primary means for living. I love Ezra 7.10. Ezra set his heart to know the, to know the, uh, the word of the Lord and to practice it. That's important. And then to teach it. Become a person that not only knows what God's word says and then teaches somebody what it says, become a person that focuses on knowing what it says and then practicing it. That, that sermon will be more powerful than anything you would ever teach. Would you agree? So how important is faith in Christ? I have some go-to passages for me on that listed. They're in your notes and you can either, uh, you know, they're on your phone or, your, or whatever gadget you have there. Verse 43 says, And immediately he recovered his sight and followed him, glorifying God. And all the people, when they saw it, gave praise to God. 
I want to tell you, I think that there's a lot of people that praise God but don't trust him. I think Jesus was looking, who's, who's going to follow this blind man's example? And oh, that was awesome. Did you see that guy was begging and blind? Now he sees, praise you, kind of like, like an NBA star that is like a superstar and you cheer him on. But you don't trust that superstar. You just like to watch him play basketball. So be careful. Do not replace your praise and worship of God for your faith in God. Faith is always the vehicle and love is always the destination. Father, thank you for some time together in your word. Um, Lord, I, I pray that you would just bless uh, uh, us as we sing this declaration, this song to you. Lord, would you minister by your Holy Spirit whatever you want to do in us. In the name of Christ, amen. Why don't you stand up?